Good. Would you turn to Isaiah chapter 54? And, and I don't know how this is going to go. Because I've only been preaching for 53 years, but uh, maybe I can get something out. And I, this is not going to be homiletically correct. And you don't even know what that means. I'm not sure, but I feel like I need to use one of those big words. <laughs> but I'm going to preach a list tonight. You ever do that, Brother David? Amen. Sometimes you just have to preach a list. You have, you're supposed to have a point, two subpoints. You have to have at least two subpoints after you've had a point. And then you have the second point, and you have two subpoints. And then you have the third point. You've got to sing a song in there somewhere. You got to tell. You have to have a poem, and then hope to the devil. Everybody's still awake when you get through. I've decided on this message. Y'all are looking a little weak already, so we'll. We'll just do a list, if that's all right with you. Amen. There's got to be one smart aleck in the crowd, don't there? I'm surprised it wasn't you. We've already got a guy that's already threatened to tell me when 20 minutes is up. That's one of my friends there. You know, the Bible has, uh, has places that God has just brought together. Just, and all the Bible is good, don't get me wrong. But the Bible, God has a way of just bringing some things together and planting them in a place to where you don't have to search, but it's right there and it's just, it's line upon line and precept upon precept, as God has said. And, and, and there's those golden texts. There's the text on faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It tells us what faith is. And then it gives example after example after example after example after example. And boy, I love the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. There's that chapter on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I like love. I like to be loved. I like to love on a human level. And I've been blessed with friends that love me. I'm blessed to be able to love friends. I have friends in lots of different nationalities. I, I've got friends in Mexico at a children's home. I can't go there anymore. Just not able to anymore. Not able to sit in that Blessed airplane that scares me to death. But I like to love and I like to be loved. I told you I was going to bellow a little bit, but but I really like the love of God. Amen. I like to love Him because He first loved me. Amen. When I was a little sorry sinner, He sent His Son. He knew about me before I was born. He knew. I'd be reared in a preacher's family and hear the gospel every Sunday. He knew I'd put on a show for a little while. And he knew at 19 years old, the first, first Sunday in January 1963, that I'd be behind the pulpit just like this. And my old bald-headed daddy would be standing down there. And he'd give an invitation after he'd preached the gospel message. And I knew I was lost and I could accept Christ. And it's because of God's love. He loved me. I like that 
resurrection chapter in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, boy, that's good. Salvation chapter, John chapter 3. And then there's the cross, Isaiah chapter 53. What can you say after the cross? Because it says in the last part of that verse, this is one of the problems with crying in the pulpit, and you have to have notes. It says, He bare the sins of many and make intercession for the transgressor. What do you say after that? What do you say after all that Jesus has done? After all that he did for me. After all that he said and all that he promised. Then he came and he lived and died at 33 years old. Now that's a, a great trip to take to look back to the day that Christ paid the price, paid it all. But then what do you do? You see, Isaiah chapter 53 and chapter 54, chapter 54 in particular, is an ensample for us. It says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. All these things, the things that happened before, those are ensamples for us. The Old Testament, I know there's Campbellites that don't believe in the Old Testament, don't believe in preaching from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. I had an elderly couple in our church, she said, Boy, you sure do preach from that old book a lot. And I said, it's because it's good. Every word from Genesis to Revolutions, it's all good. The, 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 it's a good part to tell us that we're sinners. It's a good part to tell us that Christ died for our sins. It's a good thing to tell us how we're supposed to live our life because we, we can't figure it out on our own. But then chapter 54 let me just, instead of reading a text, would you just allow me to, to browse through this passage about the, uh, oh, we'll, we'll go down about verse 8 and then maybe verse 10 and maybe chapter 55, just a little bit. We need to get ready. I am convinced that Jesus is coming soon. We need to get some other folks ready. But I tell you, when Jesus calls, whether it's from the portals of heaven to tell me he's coming this way or I'm going that way, I want to be ready. Amen. And you don't, you don't be ready without getting ready. And what are we supposed to be doing between now and that moment? Verse 1. Verse 1 starts with a verb. I never was very good in English, so I'd throw that out here as if I knew what I was talking about. But you is inferred. You sing. Now, I understand your pastor is not real good at that. And I can understand that because I've heard him. <laughs> I really haven't. But I, let me read the rest of that. 
Have you ever known any a couple that couldn't have a baby? Boy, I tell you, it's tough. One of our daughters and son-in-laws were were barren for a while, and but it says, and, and it was, you just knew when Susie came during the invitation, it was going to be one of those days when she had hit the bottom. And sometimes Don had come with them, with her, and, and they'd get up behind the pulpit and, and they'd cry and ask the church to pray for them. You know, it's good that you got kids that want to get pregnant. But I tell you, when they can't, it says, sing, O barren. I, I, you know, I think God understood this, this part of the reality of life. Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Boy, there's a lot of hocus pocus in that verse. Because the reality is that what is there to sing about? You, you, you look at it and, and you think about, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> He's talking to Israel here, but these things happen for us as well. He's talking to Israel who, when they returned from Babylonian captivity, it is said there were 42,000 of them. They had nearly wasted completely away. But you see, they had begun with Abraham and Sarah, a couple of old folks that couldn't have any children. And God said, listen, Abraham, your wife's going to be pregnant. Oh, you got to be kidding me. But they went from two to twelve. And from twelve to now there's 42,000. And 500 years later, there was said to be over 3 million Jews in the world living at that time. The, the, the barren has brought forth fruit. Abraham was counting stars. He was looking ahead. They, they, they went through the motions, but we understood that they had to rejoice in something that they could not say, nor had they ever experienced. Through the dark ages, the church was on its heels. But during that time, there was a great revival. There was a great moving of God. But you, you have to sing through the worst times of your life so you can understand that, 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 uh, that God's going to do something. Sometimes you just have to sing because God is God. There was a man named Felix Manns back during the persecution of the church from by the, the Catholic church that uh, I think he was in Switzerland. And, and anyway, they arrested him because he would not accept the, the baby baptism or to be rebaptized. He, he, he stood up against the church of that day. I'm not talking about the true church, but I'm talking about that old harlot church. They arrested him, convicted him, took him out in the middle of a lake, tied him hand and foot, put weights around him, stood him up in a boat. And when they did, he stood up and he started to sing. And I can imagine him singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. 
like me. And they kicked him overboard. And in heaven, I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. You see, we've got something to sing about. If we can't rejoice in the day, in who we are and what we have to do, we need to rejoice more about what we have coming for us. We need to get ready for another day. We need to lift up our voice in song, but we need to lift up our, our vocal cords in some way to let people know that I'm rejoicing in the God that has given me eternal salvation. Number two. Verse two. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of the, of the, of thine, of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cord and strengthen thy stakes. I love to build and our people are glad that I have retired. We, during the 35 years I pastored Highland Missionary Baptist Church, we, uh, uh, we went through, I think I counted 12 building programs. We're a country church, poor little place. Uh, and, and every time they looked up, we had, uh, we had one of my anniversary services, uh, kind of in the wind down, and we had one of our deacons to get up and say, if we'd have known now, what we, what, if we'd have known then what we know now, we'd have never called him to be our pastor. If he'd have said we had twi- tw- we're going to have 12 building programs in 35 years, we wouldn't have called him because all he wants to do is work. Isn't that a shame? But sometimes you have to build, that is, build yourself. I'm not talking about bodybuilding, but I'm talking about spiritual building in our life. Build when you can't see why. We need to get ready. We need to get ready by preparing ourselves for service. Abraham and Sarah, uh, they, they built a family when they could not see that it was possible. David gathered five, five small river rocks to whip a, guy, uh, a giant and, and it never had happened before. Elijah wet the wood for the prophets of Baal when he had never done that before. He was a builder. He, he did things in advance. He didn't wait until everything came to him. He, he didn't wait for something to happen. Elisha uh, dug a whole valley full of ditches and said it was going to rain in a drought time. There was a widow that gathered vessels when she needed something, but she had to do it in advance. Do more building in your life. Build more friendships. Build more relationships. Build more ministries. What, what are you doing lately? What, have you expanded who you are in the community? In your community? Those that are under the sound of your voice or the reach of your hand. Number three. Verse three. He said, Thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, 
and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Here's something that you might want to increase. Not only your rejoicing and your building, but you might, might want to believe more. What, what do you believe that God can do with you? Now, let me give you my excuses. When God called me to preach, my little brother had already started preaching. He was already in college, and, and I was married and had 17 children. And, and so that's not true, but that's an exaggeration, and that's not a lie. It's just an exaggeration. You know, if you, if you say it's a lie, it sounds bad, but if it's an exaggeration, it sounds like something you can say from the pulpit. But when God called me to preach, I said, I, I knew good and well there was no doubt what God wanted me to do. But you see, I didn't believe. I was bashful. Somebody asked me, said, what happened to you? <laughs> well, God did something. They said, I think he overdid it. But you see, I made all kinds of excuses. I said, i tell you what I'll do, God. I'll, I'll make a deal with you. You let me. I'd, I'd already been to, uh, to 15 music schools. We went to the school in Dallas, went back and forth for about five or six or seven years. You'd go, it went two weeks every night. Daddy would get us in a station wagon, a bunch of people from the church, and take us over to uh, the school of music, Stamp School of Music in Dallas at Bethel Temple and, and L.D. Huffstetler and Frank Stapps and all these guys that were famous when I was a child, they would teach us. And, we, and I learned to sing, and I loved to sing. Three, five, and seven. I was the five-year-old, and I was the best singer. I mean, you, all Jerry is is loud. He, he believes in loud. He don't have a, anything but loud. And I can outdo him, even in the loud. But anyway... I, I, I love I love to sing, and I started leading the music at the church when I was 16 years old, unsaved, made a profession of faith, but I was unsaved. I led the music at the Lake Worth Baptist Church from the time I was 16 to the time I was 25, and uh, and I, th I told God, God, just don't make me preach. I tell you what I do, I'll, I'll start. I'll get voice lessons, and I did that. Meet of Honor came to our church once a week, and and I did the voice lessons. You should. I got to tell you this story. I got lots of stories. My wife said, well, after you woke up from surgery, you haven't shut up. <laughs> anyway, meet a Bonner, never met her before, had a voice lesson, walked in the, in the, in the little room that's uh, it's probably 16 feet wide and about 30 feet long, a little assembly room at Lake Worth Baptist Church, and she's got a piano, an upright piano against the wall there, and, and she's playing, and I walk in, and I introduce myself. And uh, I said, I'm supposed to have voice lessons. Yes, I've heard about you, David. I thought, oh, no. I've had teachers to say that, and that's never good. 156 licks, first six weeks of the eighth grade. The principal knew me, knew me by my pockets. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this story. But when you've done something, let people know. Anyway, Lita Bonner sitting there. Yes, I recognize, you know, you look like your dad. And 
I thought that wasn't good then. Now I think that's all right. But anyway, she said, okay, what, what, do you, what would you like to sing? I said, I'd like to sing How Great They Are. And I'd sung that for the church, you know. And I had this little whiny voice that was kind of like this. Oh, Lord, my God. He said, she said, wait just a minute. I got those, that little part of She said, open your throat. Can you do this? By the way, if the quartet needs a bass singer, I can sing bass. That, but uh, I'd have to move here, and I don't want to live in Houston. We got a lot of crazy people in these cars around here. Anyway, where was I? Voice lessons. Anyway, she taught me how to sing, and I got to where I could I could rattle, rattle the windows. And I told God, God, listen, I I got you. I understand you need somebody to preach, but you're going to find, have to find somebody else. And I'm being silly here, but I'm being serious as well. We, we always try to make a deal with God. I went to bed one night, and, and my wife was pregnant with our oldest daughter. And I said, Lord... If you'll let my daughter be normal, which had a 50-50 chance of not working out, and I was, I was serious with God, if you, you let her be normal, I'll do what you ask me to do. She was born, born well. God put me on the spot. And he told me in, the, in my heart, and God's never said anything that I could actually hear, but I knew it. He said, listen, if you'll trust me, I'll do what I need to do with you. I'll take you where you need to go. I'll let you follow me along the way, and we'll make it along. You know, we need to learn to believe more. But you know, anybody can have faith when things are going well. But it's when things turn south that it's hard to believe. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. Verse 4. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and thou shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. Here, here's a good thought. Why don't we hope in something? Why don't we have a little hope in life? Why don't we, not, not this deal, well, I, I, I sure hope this works out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about putting life out there with an expectation of something being better than it is right now. This is, he, he uses the wife of Jehovah here as being a woman of reproach, but he, she, he said, I want you to trust me that I can put hope in your life. I can make something out of you. It's not just believing, it's hoping for that to transpire in our life. Verse 5, he said, For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is thy name. That's, that's the reason we can hope, because we're God's. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the, of the whole earth, shall he be called. Look at that. He's the Maker. He's the Lord. He's the Redeemer. He's the Holy One. He is the God. Not a God. He is the God. We need to remember when all hell breaks loose in our life, we're God's. 
I'm not talking about we are God, but I'm saying that we are his possession. We are his child. We are his sons and daughters in Christ Jesus. We are born into his family. We need to remember more. Who's in charge? Who's in charge of everything that happens in our life? Don't look at me like a calf at a new gate. If we're a child of God, our heavenly father ought to be in charge. My dad, my earthly dad passed away, and it's hard to believe, 13 years ago. And you know, I told my wife, I said, you know, every now and then I'm driving down the road and I'm going to a different job and, and uh, I'm working on something that really to me is special and, and uh, I, I want to call Dad. I want to call Dad and tell him, hey, Daddy, I got this job going. He was not a craftsman, but he loved that I was a carpenter. And, and I love that I'm a carpenter as well. Uh, I was a house builder, and now I work on sewer lines, if that's what they'll pay me to do. But I tell you, I, I, my daddy was in charge. He was not bossy, but he was the boss. My heavenly father is not bossy. He's a father of compassion. He's a father of love, but he's a father of expectation as well. He expects something out of me. My daddy, my real daddy expects something out of me. I need to remember who's in charge. But then the verse 6, it goes on about that particular subject. For the Lord hath called thee. He's called you. He's called me. As a woman forsaken and grieved. That we had nothing to offer. We had nothing to offer God. But he called me in spite of the fact that I'm a naught. I'm a cipher. I'm a zero. And he said, a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. Nobody wants me on their team. Nobody wants me in their quartet. I feel that here. <laughs> Nobody wants me in their church. I ain't got anything to offer anymore. That's really not true. And, and in our church, I'm teaching the men. And I, I really, we got about 15 or 16 men that come in my class. And for that 15 minutes, boy, I set a fire. I don't care whether I get a holy grunt from them. I'm going to bear down on them as men and fathers and workers. And I drive it home hard and heavy. But I tell you what. We need to learn to expect something when there's nothing. I believe that God works the best for those who have the least and who understand that fact. We've got nothing to offer. He's the God of the universe. He made everything. He made me. I'm, I'm not the prettiest guy around. I'm the second from the prettiest You know, my first wife passed away after we'd been married 19 years, and immediately I digressed to junior high. I'm 38 years old, got four children, 
And immediately I think, who in the world would want to go out with me? I've got nothing to offer. In fact, I'm in the minus category because I'm a pastor. Who in the world would want to marry a pastor? I don't know many pastors' wives that want their husbands. Because their wives have more good sense than they do. But I know he's never going to let me preach again. But let me tell you what we need to do to get ready. We need to expect more. We need to expect more from ourselves. We are not to be, we're not to allow ourselves to be set upon some kind of a, uh, of a shelf somewhere to be looked at. But we need to expect something of ourselves. We need to expect ourselves to get up and, uh, when we're down and, and get down while we're, uh, when we're up. That is, get down on our knees and realize that, that, that we're not a big shot. We're not something else. We, we can only be as great as God makes us. And then there's something else to get ready for. And, and I believe this is totally contrary to most. And, and you ought to appreciate that you have a pastor that preaches the whole counsel of God. And I don't know of anybody any better. Maybe I'll get on a good side to brag on him a little bit after I've messed all this up, you know. But, but seriously. There's some things that we need to get a grip on that's, that's coming over our television screens and probably coming out of 90% of the pulpits in America. If they preach the plan of salvation at all, so typically they preach Christianity, living the faith, as being nothing but roses and parties and health and happiness and glory and good let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say that. Verses 7 and 8, he said, For a small moment have I forsaken thee. What would that be like if God just decided for a moment to turn his back on us? And he does from time to time. Do you know that? He said, I'll never leave you, but sometimes he'll allow things to come into our life. I've been asked to preach in a couple of weeks at Rogers Baptist Church on trusting God in, well, I've had brain surgery and I forgot what it was. Not, no, not really. Trusting God in every situation. You know, we, we think, Lord, if you get me out of this bad situation and I get on the other side, just, you just stand back and watch me go. If you'll take me to the top and let me sing like these folks have sung tonight, just you just stand aside and you just watch what I can do. Lord, if you'll give me a Bible, let me open it up and let me be able to read. And I was real close to not being able to read with that one. You ought to, you ought to have one eye out and try to read with the other one when you still see out of that one. Eyes crossed, look like you're hunting squirrel and and uh, rabbit at the same time. Lord, if you'll just let me get me in that pulpit and turn me loose, God help us when that happens. Let me tell you, 
There, there's some downside that sometimes it, it seems as though God has forsaken us. But he said, but with great mercies will I gather thee. And boy, about the time our brain is scattered, I'm not talking about it in a physical way, but sometimes we're going here and we're going there and I need to be here and I need to be there and I need to do this and I need to do that and our kids need this and my wife needs that and, and my family, my mother, my father, my sister, my brother, where am I going to go? We've got to have not only a calendar, we've got to have a calculator to figure out where are we going to be. And God says, listen, I'll gather you. I'm not, he's not talking about gathering people. He's talking about an individual, the wife of God. And then in verse 8, he says, In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. You know, sometimes God, God's got to lay the lash to us. And, and there are a lot of folks, they think if I have one bit of difficulty, it's because I've done something wrong. That's when you're wrong. The most, some of the most righteous people I've ever known have been afflicted. But here he's talking about what you can't do to your kid anymore, not in public. The Lord says, if I love you, I'll give you a whooping every now and then. Just about the time you think you're too big for your britches, I'll turn you over my knee. But look what he says. In a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment. But with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Boy, I tell you, we need to understand more. We, we, need, to, we need to understand that God tempers us. He tempers us with trials. Sometimes it's physical things. Sometimes it's mental things. Sometimes it's relationships. Are you really my child? Do you realize that I'm there for you and I'll help you through this moment? If you'll let me, I'll bring you together. I'll lift you up. I will show my mercies to you. You don't deserve it. But he's willing to do it. This idea that, listen, life is going to be good for the believer... They're not living in a real world. Let me just give you one little example, and I'll wind this down. Don't get excited. I have a lot of unwinding to do. <laughs> but the greatest, one of the greatest and most famous books in the Bible about a person, it's about, the, about Job. Boy, you talk about a miserable guy. He's a loser. He, lo he lost everything except a griping wife. She said, curse God and die. Just go ahead. Hey, guys. He felt your, he could feel your pain. There's a time to say amen and there's a time not to. <laughs> Especially if your wife is sitting beside you. Or girlfriend. Is he married? Bless his heart. He's going to get it when he gets home. And it's not going to be something he's going to want. Job chapter 1, it starts happening. Boom, 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 boom. All bad, all bad, all bad. And then he's got three friends. All bad, all bad, all bad, all bad. 
His body is broken. His relationships are weak. They, they, they laugh at him. They scorn him. You're a sorry sucker. But you have to read the last chapter. You have to realize that, listen, life has its ebbs and flow. God's going to get it. God's going to get the glory. God gets the glory and the tempering of the saints to bring us to recognize that we are His. And when you get through with something that is difficult, I, I, I have preached, I believe, I firmly believe that you're either fixing to go into a trial, you are in a trial, or you're coming out of a trial. And if you're not, you're not one of His children. And he does it not, not so he can stand up there in heaven or sit down in a rocking chair, some old man up there and just, oh, I really like to make my children miserable. I don't believe that. I believe that all things work together for good. That's easy to do it. It's easy to say it when, when your wife loves you, you love her. What about when that begins to wane? It's, it can be a tempering thing, or you can get mad at God. Let, let me just go down this list real quick, and I won't re-preach anything. Rejoice more. Build more. Believe more. Hope more. Remember more. Expect more. Understand more. If you're not growing, you're retarding. That's not the word. But you are backing up. If you're not going forward, you're backing up. It's time for us to get ready. Uh, so, uh, it's ready, set, go. And you're never too old. You never get too old. You never get to a place that you actually retire. Not from the service of God. I, I want to conclude in chapter 55, verse 1. He said, Ho, oh, everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Plenteous grace. God gives grace. God gives grace for young people to go through those formative years to bring them up. I, 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 was, I was talking to, to Brenda about my... Uh, my one of my grandsons that we were sitting at a table. I'd come back from Mexico, and my wife and I, uh, and and my daughter, and and these two grandchildren were at a at a restaurant, a little little local yokel place, and they were ordering the food. And I was sitting there and talking to Buckshot, and and uh, I was telling him about being in Mexico with all these orphan children and how God was taking care of them, and he was just hanging on every word. And he said, "Paul, I'm going to tell you something." He said, I, I want to be like you. We're, we're talking about a third grader. He said, I want to be like you, Paul. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, I want to preach. I, I don't know about a third grader being called of God. But you know, that's God's business. And I believe that. I believe he can do what he wants to do. I believe the little boy's saved. They're just kind of holding him back a little bit. Want to be sure he's saved. Now, I don't have a problem with that one, one bit. They're trying to not get him baptized too early. He's still going to heaven when he dies, if he died today. But he, uh, there's grace for the baby. 
for the little child, for the teenager. Man, I wouldn't want to go to school today. Wouldn't want to be in school when you got to have a, a gun-toting police officer walk the, walk the hallway. The worst thing that we ever did was spit wads and, and mud balls. There's a fight first two or three days of school. First two or three days of school, and there was a designated fighter, Don McKee. He'd fight the new kid in school. Didn't matter. Didn't have to have a reason. They'd go over and have a knockdown drag. I'm running. I don't want to be by that. But I'd hate to be in school today. I'd hate to go to college today. I'd I'd hate think to go to. I hate for my kids to go to college. And listen to the garbage that they have to listen to. But the workforce isn't any better. You have a job one day and don't have one the next. No security. I don't care how good you are. That's a fact. But let me tell you this. Verse 8 closes with this statement. When he talks about the everlasting kindness, will I have mercy on thee? saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. We've got a salvation. We've got something that saves us from our sin. It doesn't save us from trouble. It doesn't save us from trial. It doesn't save us from hardship. But it puts us in the care of the Master. You know how wonderful that is? He said in verse 2 of chapter 55, he said, Wherefore do you spend money? For that which is not bread, and for your labor for that which satisfieth not. Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. And then he says, Incline your ear. There was a day that this was the only hearing aid that there was. You just, but I, I, I wish that more of you. And more of us, I'm talking about me too here, I should say more of us would incline our ear unto the Lord instead of listening to the garbage that comes out in our world. It hasn't gotten any better. I can't imagine when I started preaching that I'd be preaching what I preach about today. And, and I, it, it amazes me. But incline your ear and come unto me. We, we chase after every Tom, Dick, and Harry. We want to know, want to know what Matthew Henry says or David Jeremiah. I heard him preach last night, and it was real good until he started tracing the history of Christianity, and he just really blew it. He put it right down the Protestant lane. And let me tell you, we're not Protestant. I'm fixing to get off on another subject, so i got I got to leave something for the preacher to do. You know, We need to come after the Lord. We need to come after him. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. I like that everlasting covenant. We've got a God that will make you a deal that you can't pass up. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior. You know you're lost if you figured that one out. You say, what in the world is he talking about? Well, let me explain. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That simply means we've all messed up. And I don't want to minimize that because I want to tell you that we've all sinned. 
It's not that we've done bad stuff. We have sinned and come short. We, we're not perfect. And God understands that. And so what he's done is he's put a fix in the program. Here's the deal. If you'll trust him, he'll forgive you for your sins. Amen. You don't have to pray a prayer. Right where you are, right this moment, you don't have to bow your head. You don't have to cross yourself, say hocus pocus, anything. You just accept Christ, the offering that God has given through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He'll save you. Save you by grace. You don't, you're not saved by faith. You're saved through faith. That is, the, that is your part of the bargain, that you accept what God has offered you. You can do that in your heart. And it's, listen to this, it's everlasting. It lasts longer than your prayer. It lasts longer than this sermon. It lasts. It doesn't wear out. It, it doesn't canker. It doesn't soar. It's yours. It's clean. It's pure. And, and he'll say, someday, he'll say, your name, David Locke. There it is in the Lamb's Book of Life. David Ernest Locke, saved first Sunday in January 1963. Uh, you know, I always think he's going to say, that boy's an idiot, but I love him. <laughs> that boy is, is a, had got ADD and all the other ladies, letters that go with it. But I love him, and he's mine. And I'm glad to say on this side, I'm his, and I depend on that. It don't keep me saved. But it keeps me from doing a lot of stupid stuff. You know, I got a stupid mouth and I got a stupid activity that I, you know, things that I do, some, they're not sin, they're just not real bright. But God loves me anyway and God will love you and he loves you. And this is how, how I know because I've read in verse 11 of chapter 53. He shall, he shall see the travail of his soul, talking about looking forward from this particular writing, forward to the cross. God shall see the travail of Jesus' soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. He took our sins, God did, and put it on his son and crucified him. And on the third day, he brought him from the grave so that one day, one moment, one instant in my life that I could move from death unto life. You've been a wonderful audience. If you're here tonight and not saved, this would be a good time to fix it. I'm not talking about during the invitation. I'm talking about right now. Brother Stone.